the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC St. Louis Breakdown. First card of the year, my friends. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com. You can also... Find me five days a week at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. And we're back to breaking down high-level MMA, sure. As per usual on a breakdown show, Dan Tom's a little behind. I'm going to give you a heads up, not even going to tease it. I think we got to a record where it was like a disjointed episode as far as being recorded at three separate times within a 24-hour period. We won't go there this time, uh, but it will be too. In fact, uh, keeping an eye on the clock now, I got a haircut and I can't miss it because I'm so busy that I I barely even can get these haircuts in and uh, Dan Tomkey's busy company, so it's always hard to link up with the people in my life sometimes. So I am going to have to bid you adieu uh, sometime in the middle. Hopefully I can knock out the prelims, which is the bulk of the card, so maybe that's a little lofty. We'll just... Maybe go six and six or seven and six, however it breaks down for UFC St. Louis. That's right, a Sunday card, thankfully, this weekend. Looking forward to that. So even though I am running a little late than what I would like, um, it's actually kind of technically early then because there's an extra day. So I don't feel as bad uh, for you, the listener, because that's who that matters. That's who I do this for. Um, Because, yeah, man, you're going to have the fucking weekend and all that stuff to catch up on it. So, uh so and luckily I I I stayed ahead of uh, a little bit at least of what I could and I'll 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 get to that as, as far as these last two weeks in a second. Um, as far as this card goes, because it, it made it easier having the extra day Sunday getting ahead because you know I'm not gonna play the same you know I don't even want it's not a violin at all because it's the fucking best job in the world but uh it, it's such a busy schedule though that it leaves a little room for error right and. Um, that's what I kind of harp. I guess that's what I was trying to head at. It's, I, I always harp on or whatever the, the you know, as far as the the, the, the time. Um, which, by the way, uh, good news for you in that regard. More stuff coming your guys' way, but it leaves a little room for error, you know, for incidentals or just real life stuff to happen. And uh, thankfully, you know, part of the reason why I'm I'm up for the challenge and and try to and set these lofty goals for myself and try to work as hard as I do. Because I'm I'm one of those assholes that I never get sick. I'm that guy. I don't get sick, you know? And uh, as I'm sure I nodded to on the award show, which I'm surprised I made it through the recording. I put my poker face on hard, uh, which you probably could still tell I wasn't well. But what I'm trying to say is I wasn't as... I was worse than what I sounded like. But uh, thank you uh, to everybody who joined me for the award show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed the top five title defenses with Zane Simon. Wanted to start the new year with some new faces. Um... Uh, and love to, you know, the the, uh, the rest of the MMA community, whether it's media, Twitter, or both, other outlets. It doesn't matter. It's all love here. 
So hopefully you guys enjoyed it, and uh, I'm glad I could get that out to you. But behind the scenes, it, it, it was crazy. I guess what I'm what I'm connecting to, what I'm connecting to UFC St. Louis before we break down, because again, probably a little too personal. The show gets a little too real, and as you know, Dan Tom's a bit too inappropriate. But I'm all about keeping it real with you guys here. You know that that, that, that that's what it's about. Not gonna lie. And uh, with the amount of time that I alluded to and the time I spend with you guys now on this year's show, 68 episodes, my goodness, we're creeping up on 100 faster than I thought. Uh, you guys are, in, in a sense, uh, an extension of my family. I know that sounds very sad, but uh, <laughs> if you knew my state of things, you know that's not an exaggeration. And, and that'll be more clear here, too, once I, once I get on with these next few sentences. Promise, won't, won't, be, won't be long. Won't be long. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was crazy. It was uh, essentially... Got sick for the second time this year for the, for, for the guy who never gets sick. First time, uh, was taking care of my girlfriend. Of course, I get sick. She gets me sick. Um, and the worst time to get sick is like not before you have a vacation or a, a work trip because this was a work trip, the military trip, the time I'm referencing, the first time I was sick, 2017. But it, it's when the, within the 24 hours, that's the fucking worst time, right? When you're about to travel, your plans are set, things are paid for, right? Right? That's the fucking worst time. And, of course, that's when it happened. It was hellacious. It was an awesome trip. Great opportunity. But for a first-time opportunity, a crazy trip in itself that wears you down, as you've heard on MA Junkie Radio, the, the hosts who constantly go on these ones, they, they'll tell you. Uh, they go healthy, and they come back. Oh. And, uh, yeah, Dan Tom was, 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 was in bad shape, but I recovered. I bounced back, got in the flow of things. And um, sure enough, uh, actually, we're going to have my first vacation in two years. That's right. Uh, that's right. I, I'm not not taking a vacation to you. That's not an exaggeration, by the way. And uh, so I go. So we're getting ready to go. And, and of course, uh, my girlfriend was, was sick the week before. She's getting better. And of course, she gets me sick right again. I know, right? I know, I know. Oh, just wait, just wait. So I'm, but Dan Tom's trying to be a trooper because uh, a little behind the scenes, it's it's, it's tough. Uh, uh, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, me and the lady are, are, are no longer together. Well, we have this vacation planned for a minute, and let's just say uh, we're both very busy, you know, uh, very amicable, you know. So the thing when you get older, these things become less uh, dramatic, you know, relationships as far as coming and going. You know, all the poetic stuff, sure, on certain levels, depending on your personality, how you're wired remains the same, but it's less dramatic when you're adults. So don't worry. Now, that's fishing for sympathy. I'm, I'm okay. No, nothing like that. You know, these, th- these things happen in MMA. And uh, in, the, in the great words, the modal words of Gus Johnson. But no, what sucked about it, though, was uh, it, it, this kind of all happened when Dan Tom, when all this kind of sickness hit Dan Tom, and I was just fucking on my ass. And, you know, not going to lie, it's been a hard hard month for Dan Tom, you know. You lose a coach, and then you lose a girlfriend, and you're, you're kind of sick. And not just sick, but like, I had this thing, this also kind of ties into why I almost delayed the podcast, uh, whatever lung viral thing I'm dealing with that she had. But um, I've had this weird like bump. I don't know if anybody's had one of these. And it's not an umbilical hernia, which is mainly in children or pregnant women, obviously. And I don't think it's. Although I was thinking it was an appendix. My appendix was going to burst this morning, and I almost didn't make the radio show. Actually, and I was debating whether to go to urgent care here, but I couldn't get in. I would have to wait anyways. And actually, I'm feeling better. So no, Dan's not being. I am stubborn, yes, but no, Dan's not being super stubborn. What I'm trying to say is, again, don't worry. I'm not fishing for sympathy here. I feel okay, 
uh, okay, so I'm essentially just waiting until tomorrow. And tomorrow I'm going to go get a bunch of tests and blood work and yay, imaging and all that stuff done to make sure there's nothing like serious, serious. You know what I'm saying? Going down there, I'm hoping it's just some type of uh, lymphoma or uh, muscle uh, spasm or, you know, maybe it's something from the cough. I read that, you know, you can actually develop a little bit. It's essentially just a little bit. It's very subtle. You really can't tell. Only me because I know my body. It's a little bit of swelling to the upper right quadrant just above the navel and then of course just feeling pains where the liver and uh appendix uh is so i don't know i don't know what the fuck's going on anyways i'm I'm sorry i'm ranting like a man man essentially your boy's body seems to be breaking down at the worst time not just for vacation but vacation's over that's said and done i'm ready to cut my losses uh, with uh vacation personal all that because it, it's a great fucking year i'm, I'm very lucky 2018 is an awesome year um, it, parlaying the good news, I'm right in the ship here. I'm right in the ship, and we're getting the UFC St. Louis. But uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it, it was just, it was just a real rough stretch, you know. And, and what is it with women kicking you when you're down? By the way, you know, it's like, it's like they're going. <laughs> like MMA has come a long way, and again, relationships have come a long way. But if we're re- correlating relationships to MMA here, because this is an MMA podcast, it's like women are going by pride rules, right? Right, you know. <laughs> Like, like, like Brody's like, well, women, they're always leaving you when you get the, the shit kicked out of you. It's like they can kick you when you're down, right? They're, right? Uh, pride rules, right? Uh, f- fina- uh, financial deductions for actions. <laughs> yeah, all for that, right? Those are very, that's very pride-esque. Hell, even mismatches. The Japanese audience love mismatches, right? Where they, Why is this ranked guy going against this ranked guy? But the Japanese audience fucking love it. Girls are the same way, right? It's like, why is that chick with that guy? Like, ch- ch- Again, women are wired different. I'll never understand it. They're wired different than us. Whereas men, we're more like the UFC, you know, which we're trying to keep up to standards, you know. Hey, everything's good here, you know. <laughs> Given the politically correct answers. Oh, there's no blood on the mat. We're spray painting between, between Fox commercials. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, that tangent's done. But anyways, the, the point is... Um, your boy, hopefully, is going to be okay. Just send some good vibes my way. Not for the relationship. I'm, that doesn't matter. As far as my health as far as far my health goes, that's what matters. I just want to have a healthy Dan Tom so I can keep working my awesome job and I can keep bringing you guys content. Um, so just some good vibes in that way is all I ask because parlaying to the good news, 2018 is going to bring some good things. Um, uh, apparently, the bosses above, the people at MMA Junkie, and both those in large part to you, this is a thank you to you guys. Um, apparently, my, my, my presence the last six months has been noticed and been felt. Um, and, and that's in huge, huge, large part, in my opinion. Um, no, not to me. And this isn't, you know, this isn't all about me, believe it or not. I know I talk about me a lot on this show, but no, it's to you guys. Um, seriously. Thank you guys. Uh, it, it's been noticed, you know, all the shares, the likes, the views. The kind words, the tagging, the whatever, even the the just you know criticisms. As long as you're engaging, it's fine. It's all noticed. It's all helpful, and it's all appreciative. Uh, because I, you know, I, I don't, I'll give you just the cliff notes. Obviously, I won't give you the particulars. Obviously, but I've uh, been invited to expand my role at MMA Junkie. Uh, you know, uh, even from little stuff, which to me it's not little. By the way, I'm I'm on the staff picks because you know. Back in the day, people, like, like even like almost 10 years ago now, boy, time flies. Like, those things have been around. I'm sure the lists have slowly gotten bigger. But, like, just for years seeing the staff picks and stuff. So, it's just, just, 
see my name on there again kind of kind of surreal and that that wouldn't be in part that wouldn't be there if it wasn't for uh, you guys so thank you but more importantly the real duties of, of, that come with expanding the role is uh, are we now breaking down bellator stuff that's right um it won't thank goodness <laughs> it won't be to the in-depth i'll be making picks for the prelims and i won't even be making picks or breaking down the entire main cards this will be reserved solely for the main events and if there's a you know special attraction like a you know, Sudden vs. Rampage, which now, the day this is being recorded, was announced. Not a special attraction. It's actually going to be the main thing. Um, then, yeah. Uh, it won't... Uh, or then, yeah. Sorry. I don't know what I was trying to say there. My, my sentence fell apart. But, uh, but yeah. I'll be doing those, essentially, too. So, um, special features, main events for Bellator going forward. And, as well, um, again, we're still kind of hammering it out. And this is going to be very flexible. But, uh, as well as just more analysis articles. Non-breakdown. Um or, you know, uh, in separate of the breakdown, I should say. Whether it's post-fight analysis or uh, possible upcoming matchups or uh, certain top covering certain topics. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to tackling that. And, um, and again, I don't even know why anybody wants to listen to me or, or read my stuff in the first place. So it's all kind of beyond me. But I've... I, I'm beyond grateful for you guys, your guys' support and, and tackling these subjects. So, anyways, uh, one, one more thing. Shout to Chad Fallard. If you want to follow him on Twitter, at Chad, F-A-U-I-L-L-A-R-D, underscore six on Twitter. Uh, listen to the podcast. Always supporting the show. Um, and uh, furthermore, just kind of hit me up behind the scenes, and he's working on some uh, screen printing on those ideas for... Uh, or uh, he's doing at least just kind of testing it himself at least, and he's going to get back to me uh, on that. Uh, and and we'll see about maybe doing something in the future. But uh, hopefully uh, Chad follow, follows through, and he may be the the first person there with some uh, Protect Your Neck podcast uh, attire. And uh, he said if he go if he, he's going to be doing that soon and sharing it. So if he he sends it through, uh, Chad, I will go ahead and share it with all the followers on social media so they can check out what you did. Uh, much appreciated, sir. Thanks for your support. All right, on to UFC St. Louis. I'm gonna, I'll probably only get to a few of these before we cut for break, and then it'll be like nothing ever happened, as the great Bill Cosby said. Dan, that was dark. That was dark. Sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> All right, first fight of the night. Vance Vernell versus Mike Santiago. I'm sorry. I had to pull myself out of that, that rant, that little little, little session Dan Tom had at the beginning. Uh, in the catch-up recap, Matt Brunel versus Mike Santiago. Um, this is surprisingly one of my few dog picks, and this probably caught a lot of people by surprise. And I don't, I don't blame you. Although the price was going up on on uh, on Mads because money was coming in on Santiago, but now it's going back down the other way. Um, I don't. I'm not the. You know me. I'm not the the, the chest bumping type, but uh, I guess since I am kind of on a main platform and. Uh, the audience is growing. I should probably pay attention to these line movements more. But, but yeah, uh, again, and in the non-chest-pumping fashion, even in my betting article that I did release with Junkie that's up now that I reference to here, it's apropos to this, this year program, um, I even say in it, you know, I stated off, like, listen, Santiago's the deserved favorite. He's a, he's a very, he's a talented fighter, uh, in my opinion, and I don't blame you for not following me here, especially with the footage on Brunel. But this is one of those ones where, again, I, Dan Tom's, I, although I probably should, and I definitely could much more than I do, 
Uh, I'm not the, you know, I'm not hitting up uh, connections as much as I probably should or could. But, uh, but yes, uh, Mads Brunel does train here at Training Couture. He's been through quite some, quite a lot. Uh, has a relationship with a lot of people down here, including my coach Dennis Davis, who has his own history when he competed in Denmark. Actually, posted a nice, uh, nice picture of him and uh, Robert Fallis, his co- his coach, who. He thankfully brought to Extreme Couture. He was the guy, Dennis was the guy who brought Robert to Extreme Couture, and that's how I met Robert. But anyways, uh, kind of a long story there. But anyways, Mads Burnell has been uh, been through, and, and he's a beast. He's very talented. He, he, he makes a lot of use of his time, really invests in his career. He's out training at TriStar, other places. Um, real natural with the boxing. You know, I really like his style. Uh, he's really uh, slips, rolls, kind of comes back, counters. Um Although I don't think he wants to do that too much, especially the rolling, because Santiago will throw shovel hooks, uppercuts, and just wicked kicks from that southpaw stance, just unabashedly, you know, to his own detriment, (laughs) Uh, because defense is is obviously Santiago's glaring hole that um, it probably explains his record. Like, oh, he's a talented kid, Dan, look at his record, and, you know, he's got all these, you know, that doesn't mean, you know, um, that, that doesn't mean everything. Although I will say the submission losses that he does have stacked up in his loss column uh, is the path that I see Mads Burnell taking. Uh, you know, it sounds funny to say best guy in Denmark and European accolade grappler because, you know, Brits can't wrestle and these kind of stereotypes that are still kind of hold, hold strong. And to some extent, I'm sorry. Again, I got love for all of y'all worldwide, but let's be honest. Some stereotypes are true. Otherwise, that's that's why they wouldn't be stereotypes. Hey, I make fun of uh, my own stereotypes all the time. It's all good. But and you got to be able to. Life's too fucking short not to laugh at that for what it's worth, people. But what I'm trying to say, as far as this conversation goes, um, you know, this guy, this conversation goes. You know, it, it, it uh. I believe it does hold ground because it's more of a puzzle, it's more of a puzzle piece type of argument for me, you know. Um, Santiago, whether the guy he's facing is a good striker, a good ground guy, whether he's winning the fight and he's teeing off on the guy, or he maybe he's losing the fight and he's in desperation mode going after the guy. He always seems to just shoot in, and he's a wrestler at heart, and he's he's a talented grappler. He just got his brown belt. He works with guys like Ricardo Lamas and others in the Chicago area, you know, um, it, it's not like it's a bad move. Like, I get it. But when you're going against a specialist like Burnell, not just, again, not just, you know, European grappling specialist, but the guy who specializes from the front headlock, you know, those baseball bat jokes, Japanese neckties, darses, chains to guillotines, um, it can be very dangerous. Now, Mads Burnell's also a type of grappler who kind of give up position, and that's a double-edged sword, right? We've seen that before. I was about to say Luis Smoka, but obviously there's, there's more issues with Smoka than his grappling style. But you get what I'm saying. I'm just, just isolating grappling styles here. And he doesn't grapple like Smoka, but as far as guys who may secede position more than other guys. And I am a big position guy over submission, so don't get me wrong. I not only share those same criticisms, but trump them harder than most. That said, I also can see what guys are trying to do, and there are certain styles where I kind of excuse it because, again, even though I'm a position guy, I don't often go by my own, too. I'm also a guy that loves to play from turtle, which is just seems kind of silly, right? But if you kind of understand certain positions or, you know, like you see guys like Eduardo Tellez work, and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that can be useful. Um, but, but, but yeah, uh, you know, Brunel's got a lot of those things in his, in his arsenal. So I wouldn't be surprised 
this wasn't really a fight that I, I, w- I would, even if I would have picked San Diego, that I would play him anyways. So this would be a fight that even if I, I picked against Brunel, I probably would sprinkle him anyways. But no, I actually am confident enough to pick him. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, the, the, by the way, last fight against Bracheris, if even if that wasn't a short notice and a weight class up against a guy that didn't miss weight, take away those three crucial factors, aside from the UFC debut to go on top of it, Michelle Prezeris was a very bad match for him. Um, you know, n- uh, he, another accoladed grap- a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt in Prezeris, but not just bigger and stronger, but a positional player, a positional top player. Like the exact, if I were to des- have to design a grappler to beat a guy like Mads Brunel, it would be Michelle Prezeris. Like that was a fucking terrible fight for the guy. Um, regardless, like that was going to be a terrible fight, even if you take away like, most of those factors and just leave the style in there because stylistically it was, it was a tough matchup. So I, again, I don't blame you for not picking Mads Brunel, but be careful from what you've seen out there out of him because, and again, I, I don't blame you. This is, I hate to do a kind of a, a pick off of information that maybe is not fairly available, but Hey, I guess that's, that's why I do what I do. But no, uh, th- this is one of those those picks for what that's worth. All right. Uh, and again, not to discredit Mike Santiago. He's the deserved favorite, very talented guy. Uh, and I wish him wish him uh, well going forward. All right. Uh, next fight, Daniel Taylor, J.J. Allridge. This one is on my fights to avoid for obvious reasons. Daniel Taylor, you can argue that she won. Or she lost fight. So Eham, again, numbers aren't indicative, though the numbers will tell you that she won. <laughs> Although alive, I remember scoring that fight for So Ham. And, you know, going back, a little different. But, again, it wasn't – it's just one of those fights where, you know um, – shout out to Aaron Maynard, by the way. Uh, Aaron Menard, I should say. Uh, Junkie Nation. Uh, homie first and foremost. But, yeah, uh, referee uh, referee and judge uh, under the Texas Commission. And uh, he thought he, – he, he shouted at an idea that uh, we'll probably be doing top five for a minute. But I, I, I jotted it down with his name attached to, to help me out. But – Thing about fights uh, that you could, you know, judge differently, or the top five most controversial fights as far as you know judging goes. And I'll, that, I obviously need to work on the title there, but uh, but yeah, that was kind of one of those fights. And uh, anyways, but yeah, her style, you know, she sits back, circles Daniel Taylor, counters hard with the right hand. JJ Aldridge, uh, I, I like her though. She's gonna have, she's gonna put some good distance between her and the right hand. One, she has the inherent distancing of the southpaw stance that she'll be carrying against. Uh, Taylor's orthodox stance, but she she has a natural knack for distancing. She she should. She's an experienced amateur, and for for, for females, she's an experienced female. Where you, a you don't get a lot of experienced females. You'll see with a lot of the UFC records and or the experienced females you get usually are those Brazilian ladies who fought a lot of cleaning ladies. Right? Let's be honest. Like those those are the, those are the long records, and I don't put a lot of weight into those. Whereas you go to Aldridge's, it's actually. Not a super long record, but a decently long record for her age and experience because she's really young. But more importantly, it's quality names, even if you go back to her amateur record, losses, wins. Um, and, and she's tough. She's, she's a real tough out, you know. Uh, she's a real tough out, durable, she's not, not easily shaken. And that's the thing. You have to be durable to A, take that shot, and more importantly, B, not be shaking off of that shot. We've seen that with... Uh, a lot of Daniel Taylor's opponents, they'll take eat the power, and even if they're hiding it well, they're, they're, if you'll notice, they're not as effective going forward, or it takes them a bit to get that confidence to really start committing and to their shots, even when they're getting in range of them again, you know? 
So, yeah, I have J.J. Aldrich essentially just kind of out volume her. I feel like it's going to be close, but I feel like Aldridge is going to pull away. If her takedown games have improved, and she does pretty good against the fence, but if they've improved, I, I more than expect her to try to exercise them here. But uh, Taylor, short, stout, good base and balance. I have to imagine she keeps working on it, even though she's mainly from a Muay Thai gym, I believe, Saxon. Uh, and I'm sure she's working her wrestling somewhere too, right? I mean... So, anyways, it's on the avoid list. Not 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 like super confident in it. it neither does the public. It's like an even money now. Looks like it got Taylor's not no longer the underdog. Uh, all right, I'm gonna knock out at least one more. Talita Bernardo versus Arin Aldana. I came in super confident in Aldana, but that kind of uh, started dropping, and maybe the public too, because now she, I, I think she was higher. She's minus 155 now. I could swear she was in the 200s. Whereas Talita Bernardo plus 135. Well, maybe people actually started watching footage. Who knows? Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Arena Aldana. Arena Aldana versus Leslie Smith's like one of my favorite uh, lady, ladies' fights there. Um, in recent times, at least. Um, but the thing is, even though she's athletic and did show improved get-up abilities, you know, show overhook, belly down, use the cage, like all things you should be doing. And I think that's going to come into play here. The thing is, she never really faced girls where it was like their specialty, at least in recent times. Uh, and, you know, I want to know how, how much better has she gotten since Tanya Avenger since, you know, and that was a fight for people that don't know. It's about round four, I believe. And it was essentially just, you know, Tanya Avenger, when she got going, was kind of just started just trying. And it was fun. There were some back and forth moments, but it was primarily one-way traffic, if you, especially if you knew what you were watching on the ground, where Avenger was just kind of beating on her. Um, and Aldana, you know, at least especially at the time, uh, maybe – me or many had lower expectations, but you know, I was surprised with her submission defense and, and certain defensive things at times. But yeah, eventually, uh, Avenger put it on her. But this is this girl, this girl's not Avenger, so you know, um, I, I'm not counting on it. And the striking is, is far from it, the striking is a far way to go for Bernardo. But what Bernardo does have is takedowns, she's not just uh, a, a, a specialist, a brilliant jiu jitsu black belt, but she actually has some decent wrestling both offensively and reactive, if you look at her fight with her Marion Renault. Um, although she was coming off a of fight camp, it was short notice, and it was her UFC debut, so I don't want to condemn her for gassing, but it kind of looks like there could be gas tank issues there. She only went to decision once other than that, and one of those was a loss, so you know most of her fights are ending in the first round, and she doesn't have a large sample size. Uh, so not enough for me to pick Bernardo, although Bernardo is... Uh, was my lowest dog pick for uh, DraftKings. Essentially, again, even though I'm picking Aldana, I like Aldana, the dynamic of the matchup calls for takedowns, and you know that score is big in DraftKings, and you know Dan Tom tends to lean toward grapplers in general, especially in a game like DraftKings, it's going to reward you for takedown heavier fighters, uh, at least you know, compared to the general crop. First round finishing studs aside. But yeah, uh, so I took Bernardo there because I think that that, that will be an unpopular kind of low, lower key, if you will, pick at $7,200 for you DraftKings players out there. Um, what's the next fight? Yeah, let's get this next fight done out of the way and then we'll take our break. Clint Jafaria versus Jessica I. Clint Jafaria, another one of those underrated names. She's not like a... She's not like a, a Vanessa Porto or Karina Dam as far as... Uh, Seven degrees of Kevin Spacey for the women's MMA division. Yeah, I don't know if anybody got that reference, but congrats if you did. But um, but you know she 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 showed up on my tape study a lot, particularly for 
Karolina Kavalkiewicz. Um, Clint Jafaria has fought bantamweight, flyweight, strawweight, all around the world, and her uh, record is not is not uh, is not is not padded. Uh, you know, uh, fought uh, Karina Dam three times. Um, you know, uh, also just you know you know. You're kind of, I don't want to say typical Brazilian game in a negative, but, you know, stalking, Muay Thai, coming forward, cross hook, cross hook, cross hook leg kick, you know, uh, ranked in jiu-jitsu, got some good arm bars, you know, specializes in arm It's very, if you were to stereotype a woman, a, 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 not just Brazilian, but female, Brazilian, <laughs> uh, you know, girls game, uh, I, I guess you could. And not in a bad way, because, again, she, from her record to her skills, is, is more is more toward you know the uh, upper middle class, in my opinion. Um, but I, I I I didn't I couldn't side with her here. Um, I feel like the size and movement of I is going to make the difference. But this is on the fights to avoid for obvious reasons because I isn't one forever. Her last one was a doctor stoppage over a tough Leslie Smith whose ear exploded. And then you have to, you know, go way back to what was it, 2014, 2013, I don't have it in front of me, to the contest that was overturned for marijuana. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, no, I still think uh, Jessica I has the tools to do it. The problem is going to be volume. You know, we've seen these close fights where they're very well within reach. And, sure, you could have escorted uh, her way for Betch um, and whatnot. I know she was upset about that. But the point is, fights like that are reasons that make me nervous because, you know, it was well within reach where she could have maybe secured it and done a little more. And uh, this is going to be the fight where Klinger is going to make her throw more. So I think it's it's going to be good. Uh, she, obviously, the must-win factor too, sure. Though I don't really count on that in these picks. Because MMA doesn't care if it's a must-win. MMA is a cruel sport. But the pick is I, albeit a reluctant one, as that is the second fight on my avoid list. All right. I got to get my ass to the Demi Banco and go get a haircut. And I, when I come back, I will break down the rest of UFC St. Louis. Thanks for sticking with me right here on the Protect Your Neck Podcast. Cucarachas enojadas. Right here in the Protect Your Neck podcast for the UFC St. Louis breakdown. Uh, back a little later, not that you, I guess y'all really will be able to tell, but uh, like I said, I have to go get a haircut. That is done. A couple other things are done too. But uh, <laughs> real quick, this one, I, I definitely don't want to get back into any of the topics of the diatribe, but about my 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 my, my potential health issues. Let's explain it to uh, you know, the guy who cuts my hair. He's a friend of mine, so we're you know just talking, catching up and shit. And I'm like, hey, have you ever had this? And yada yada, and asking him. And, you know, he's doing the right thing, calling me down, yelling at me for looking online. It's like, you stupid ass, don't don't look online. And we start talking about other stuff. And the lady who cuts hair next door comes comes over. And I forget what she says, but she doesn't get but, like, three sentences. And then she just gets into, like, a patient who died. I'm like, oh, wow, that was really random. So, of course, I'm 
you know, Matthew, the guy that cuts my hair, is, well, how'd she die? The patient is like, well, she had an issue with her stomach or something and went and got it checked out and there's just cancer everywhere. I'm like, God damn it. So, of course, Matthew just looks right at me. I'm like, shut up. Oh, my God. And, of course, he explains her. The lady feels bad. She meant well. She... And, um, but in funny, in trying to make me feel better, she goes, oh, no, you're probably fine. It's probably a hernia, you know, this and that. And she goes, uh, you know, people can die of anything these days, you know? I mean, I had a friend, uh, she didn't make it to 40 and all she had was flu symptoms. At which point I informed her, I'm uh, still fighting through some flu symptoms right now. <laughs> she just fucking wanted to jump off a cliff. She meant well. She was a nice lady. But she could tell she fucking stirred me. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Where were we? Yeah, that's right. Okay, we were on uh, Zach Cummings versus Tiago Alves. We just got done. Clint Jafaria versus Jessica I. Zach Cummings. Price dropped on him. He was hanging out in the 200s, which you know may sound crazy if you're going off name value because, you know, it's Tiago Alves, baby. But, uh, no, no, I, I, I could see why it would be there. Thankfully, it's come down. Zach Cummings now minus 185. If it gets a little lower, I might play him because he is the pick against Tiago Alves, who is plus 160 for the comeback. Um, money coming in, Tiago. I don't, I don't blame people. Uh, you know, um, I feel like I've also had a pretty good read on Tiago. I picked uh, Miller against them. I know he you know, wasn't doing well. The weight cut, obviously, was a huge factor there. But I also picked Alves against Gote and felt pretty good about it. Um, people were like, that's crazy. Alves is done. And da, da, da. I'm like, well, no, he, he had a tough weight cut. But also, um, you know, it, it's hard to come back and look good when you don't fight a lot. And, you know, furthermore, if you really watch his footage, I harp on it all the time. But left hooks, left hands, and mainly just southpaws have always troubled Thiago Alves. And again... Not trying to, uh, you know, chest bump or revisionist history or anything, but this is true. One of my first bets actually was Rick Story for like plus 270 against Tiago Alves back in the day. Um, because I was just like, and this was when Tiago Alves was, I mean, any of the criticisms he's getting now, he really wasn't getting then. Maybe weight cuts and possible endurance issues or maybe something like that. But he, you know, there wasn't a lot of criticism thrown his way, but I was like, mm. You know, Rick Story's a durable southpaw who can wrestle. And even, you know, it's a prototype I talk about all the time because it's one that I, you know, I could never wrestle, but sadly, for not for my for, for my head's sake, I was, there was a durable southpaw. But you know, just certain things give guys trouble and, and more trouble than you you would realize. And the game is evolving, and a lot of these tropes are disappearing. And good, I, I want the game to evolve. But you know, that was one that kind of still exists, arguably depending on the fighter or matchup, and, and still exists then. And I remember betting it, and it just always kind of stuck in my head. And and that's been a kind of a so if you know Dan Tom, you follow my styles. If you know, I I I I will often take a, a durable southpaw who can wrestle, especially as a dog. But uh, but no, uh, Cummings is a durable southpaw who can wrestle. But he is the favorite. He's a deserved favorite. You know, there's there's going to be a speed disadvantage again. Criticisms I think were a, bit, a little bit heavy-handed on Tiago Alves' speed. He still he still has a he's not shot by any means. He's, he's out there throwing and. And now that he's back at welterweight, um, where he probably should, you know, be, to be honest. So I'm not trying to cut down a lightweight. He, he, uh, he will still have a, a I, I'm careful to say speed advantage because there are younger guys who will outpunch him right now, obviously. But what I am trying to say, though, is he is still faster than your average bear at welterweight. 
that being said, Cummings makes up for his, his speed discrepancy. You know, I, I, I've talked about it when breaking him down before. He, you know, he's got the Southpaw's best friends, the check hook and left cross, and he kind of throws it. He variates his left cross too with like a shovel hook, and he'll catch guys kind of dipping their level. And uh, he knows how to feint and counter. Um, you know, sometimes he can get off track about it. But, you know, especially when you look at his last couple performances, he's really honing that part of his game in. And it compensates a lot for the speed when you're, you're you know, kind of faint beating and making the other guy throw and you're just going to counter him. Obviously, Cummings, I don't even know what to say underrated because now he's just subbing guys as soon as, you know, they start tangling up. You know, you just look at his fight with Nathan Coy and you got to imagine that gave Thiago Alves nightmares about Martin Campman, you know, so I... That being said, even though I do feel like Thiago Alves has really underrated wrestling, uh, it's offensive, and for that reason, obviously Thiago is going to be too smart uh, to shoot. And Thiago Alves is, you know, was listening. Uh, shout out to my colleague John Morgan on the MMA Roadshow was, you know, saying, you know, how how good he, you know, he sounded, and just listening to the interview that John posted on his podcast, like Thiago sounded really, really sharp, and again, like I. I think John was on the panel the day I broke it down on Junkie Radio. Where I say, like, yeah, because I use John as the example. I'm like, dude, like those, you know, uh, you know, say what you will. You know, we, again, you want to paint people with broad busters. A lot of people like to write off media. Too, so there's so many sharp people in the media. A lot of these guys have been around forever, and John is certainly one of them. Um, and there's one muscle that those guys get that not even the fighters get or – stupid nuts like me who waste entirely too much time watching footage yet and it's that it's that it's that sample size of fight week man you know fighters complain about the questions and hell you know the media guys don't like asking the same questions again but it's those monotonous questions it's the answers the fighters give that that give so much even if they're saying the same things and there's a certain way you can tell these guys these these guys that are on the beat like the john morgans that are always out there they they can tell when a guy's having a good week and not you know and there's this, even if they don't realize or they're trying to put it together or make a pick like me or you are, just, there's, again, there's this inherent sample size built. There's this inherent muscle that's constantly worked out from asking these questions, hearing the responses, and seeing the results from these different types of gamut of responses, how they result on fight night. And there's a lot of commonalities, man. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, so, so uh, again, I'm not, I don't want to harp too much for this matchup. It's not a make or break, but... We'll, well, it is a good segue to a make that point and b you look at look at and or read um a lot of the interviews on Zach Cummings out there like both these guys are coming in here at i i i believe at their best especially you know you have Zach Cummings with the the hometown factor and you saw how pumped he got when he got to fight in um in uh Kansas City Missouri uh for the KSLE card and he had everybody going so both these guys are coming, so that's the, that's the reason why I, I was really high on Cummins. I still picked him, and I may play him if the line gets lower, but um, that's why he wasn't on any of my, my betting things or parlay. I'm not messing with him there now. I mean, but I, I'm really excited for that fight, though. Really fucking excited. All right, next fight, I do have some skin in the game. Uh, Matt, free steamroller, frivola, uh, minus 240, sorry. Uh, and Polo Reyes, plus 200. I, uh, his nickname is stuck in my head. I forget who it was. I don't know if it was, uh, Dan from Oregon, uh, shout out, but, uh, if it was him or not, but somebody called in a junkie radio saying, what's the best nickname on the UFC St. Louis card? And I didn't look at it to be honest. Uh, 
you know, or at least with that in mind, I've looked at everybody's nickname, obviously, but you know. Uh, but he said his was Steamroll, and I immediately agreed without looking at, uh, you know, offhand because I was, I was actually at that Dana White uh, Tuesday Contender Series where Matt Favola fought, and oh my God, his corner and his family were so loud. He even had fucking Monster Lobster if for the hardcore is Tough Five contingent alum there, uh, in his contingent I should say, um, in his corner, and they're just going Steamroller. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, the kid's super scrappy, man. I mean, uh, he, uh, he doesn't go to decision much. I think one of the decisions he even had, he fought with like a broken rib and ankle. Like he's got those intangibles of a tough kid. Um, he will be, he does have room to improve himself on the feet and Poyle Reyes will have an advantage, but I think Matt Favola can definitely contend with him. Uh, Reyes' aggression cost him in many ways, including on the feet. But Reyes hasn't really had to fight grapplers, yet still, for what brief instances on the ground, kind of showed a lot to be desired in that department. And that is where Matt Frivola's strength is. He's a very aggressive takedown, uh, heavy guy, you know, especially pushing toward the cage. And more importantly, once he gets you done, he's got a really good, really good transitions. Um, you know, uh, from from a lot of different places he can finish, and uh, he works for it. He really fights for positions more importantly than the finishes, and I think that's why the finishes come, is because uh, again we just don't have a huge sample size, not a lot of footage on him, but from what I have seen and, and just his stylings, it, I'm, I feel pretty good about saying that's how he's wired, and the path to victory is pretty clear here. So I. Uh, even though it's risky with a debutante, as far as just the matchup goes, this just is just a matchup that kind of just screams, um, this, this, is, this is a matchup for this kid to win. And uh, the only thing you got to worry about, a, deb a debut or against a tough guy like Reyes or a, a trap spot, you know, to, to, to lose your debut fight, you're a young guy, you have an O. You know, these things that are, are, are potential flags, no one is immune to those. No one is immune to losing in those positions, you know, obviously. You know, ain't no guarantees in this game. Sorry, folks. You know, of course he could lose. But when a guy shows that mental fortitude, that really says a lot. And then you couple with the skills to go with it, good camp, good attitude, good camps, I should say, because he works his way around from Tampa, Florida, to, I believe, up with the Longo guys as well. And, um, and yeah, uh, I think he gets the submission here. And I was surprised. It's not, like, super high to where it's in the thousands and it's begging and pleading but it's asking hard enough for me at plus six, 675 when I feel like that's the the most likely outcome of this fight enough for me to you know make the kid one of my more confident picks well I played that um, only for a quarter unit you know Dan Tom betting like a fucking five year old here because it's a madman sport guys if you're going to um, bet whether props parlays or just or betting on MMA here it gets crazy, y'all. But uh, but yeah, that I, again, I come real, come 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 real with you, and uh, that's what I'm playing. So, next fight, Alex White, plus one forty five underdog, James Kraus minus one sixty five. Um, I think Alex White's super live here, man. He's another he's another Missouri cat, so he's gonna be fighting in front of his hometown. Although, he's got that serial killer esque vibe, so it's like I don't know if he gets excited for anything. Although we, although. I say this without being mean. When he talks, I can see why he didn't talk much. <laughs> no, I don't know. He's got a very sling blade as to him. You're like, 
Is he evil or is he uh, uh is he is he a little slow is he a little slow eh? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Alex White's gonna kick my ass next time he sees me. And I don't blame him. Uh no, but uh, no honestly though, no 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 all, all jokes aside, he uh he looks like a killer in the best of ways. He's certainly live here. This is the last fight officially on my avoid list. I did pick James Krause, though. Uh, Alex White hits hard, and it's one of the, you know, maybe he's going to have that Robert Whitaker effect where he starts putting it together more, and the power even comes more as he goes up in weight. He said James Krause has never been stopped except for, you know, quote-unquote TKO to the body. If you watch it, it was a, I want to say it was a McCarthy. It was one of McCarthy's not a person. And I'm a big McCarthy fan, by the way, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people in this role. But I don't think if that was McCarthy or or maybe it was Dean. Either way, it wasn't one of their brighter moments. It was like a fight for the troops card. Um, I want to say it was Bobby Green that did it off the top of my head. And uh, it was a groin shot. But that being said, uh, one of the things I do notice, though, even though I, I believe that was a groin shot that was miscalled, that that's where the one stoppage on James Krause's record is as far as strikes go. I do feel uh, Kraus is a little susceptible to the body as far as, like, he seems to react to it and, and when running through him through the comb. Um, which, I, it's been a while because, again, I, I, didn't, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't follow tough, so I only go back to watch the tough if I have to break down the guy. So I, I, I didn't watch any of that live. Um, just as, uh, of course, his Galicchio fight live. But, you know, James Krause is, is improving in the stand-up from what I saw before, you know. Uh, I don't know if it's the cross-training in Colorado. But, you know, the trap setting when he's going to Southpaw, it's much more with a purpose. He's not relying on just going to Southpaw and, throw, and just launching the left kick. But he's actually going to Southpaw, using that left kick look and baiting a guy in and using that to open his punches from that stance. Like, he's, he's doing some things I really, really like. And he's showing improvements, which... A, kind of eases the potential, you know, when you want to look at suspect intangibles at play. Is he checked out? We're seeing James Krause in a lot more corners. You know, he had some quote-unquote personal issues, with the, which put his contract in a weird limbo. Or I don't know if limbo is the right word, but it was around the time, in other words, when he jumped back in the ultimate fighter. Anyways, uh, I got to imagine he's all systems go. It's a hometown fight. Um, I got to imagine his motivation, fighting with his buddy. You know, he just had a, Tim Elliott and, and, and going through that that with him and being there for him with the Falls thing, wanting to do, do well for his his team. So I imagine Kraus is coming to scrap. And, you know, he's not a active takedown guy, which will be interesting to see if he does that off for this matchup because it calls for it because he, will, he should, at least on paper, have a, a significant on-paper advantage on the floor. Um... All right, uh, Alex White. All right, Alex White. Uh, Darren Elkins. There. Darren Elkins plus one forty-five. Michael Johnson minus one sixty-five. Last fight on the prelims. This one I ended up staying away from. It's just these are two guys I have historically called kind of you know pretty very poorly. I think I took Johnson against Khabib and Gaethje. Um, I took him against Nate Diaz. I'm not even like a Johnson homer though. I must be to pick him against three guys who I fucking love watching fight. And I picked fucking Michael. Again, back to my thing, how Dan Tom overcorrects the steering wheels with guys he likes. Maybe it was a little bit of that, although I've explained my Khabib take and stand by it for taking him there. And then, you know, Darren Elkins, again, one of those guys I fucking just, Dan, old Dan Tom's been burning his bet against. And I wasn't even a victim of the bet. You know me, I'll stay away when that line gets inflated that high. 
So I'm not even necessarily talking about that, but Bermudez and a few other spots in the past, you know, fucking the Matt Damon Team American doll has fucking renewed his, his, his lease on life since going to Team Alpha Male. Matt Damon. Damon joking. Sorry, again, Dan, you're disparaging fight. That's 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 not now. You, Darren Elkin slaps you. You cannot complain. I wouldn't anyways, because, you know, hey, it's the damage Elkins. He's going to fucking just destroy me. <laughs> what am I going to say? No, no, but uh, all, you know, all jokes aside, he, Darren Elkins really, this is more just respecting Elkins, why, even though I picked against him, which is, was difficult. I was on the fence about this fight, but I'm definitely staying away. I'm not betting against him. I may pick against the guy. But I respect his skill set. I respect his heart. And, uh, I respect his style, believe it or not. You know, Dan Tom may be a little contrarian. You know, he's a bit of a grinder and grappler himself. So, of course, I'm a little a little softer on those guys. A little easier on those guys, I should say, than, than y'all. But, uh, but yeah, no, no. I, I, I joke badly at that, um, at Darren Elkins. But, but I do got love for the cat, in other words. Uh, but, again, picking Michael Johnson here, which means Darren Elkins will... Probably win. I'm not going anywhere, I promise. We are doing this in two sittings, but I, I actually am going to go get some water in the kitchen next door. So, I'm going to be right back. I don't think I'm going to do any music or any bullshit. Let's just do a pause. And water is good. Okay, we're back. Uh, main card time. <laughs> Meal Weber Meek plus 500. And Kamara Usman minus 700. Um, yeah, uh... I like both guys, man. I really do. Uh, I was kind of bummed. I missed uh, part of my uh, vacation, if you want. Like, vacation all I want. I had that song stuck in my head, by the way. When I was, I'll spare you. I've said too many stories. You don't need to hear that story. Anyways, um, when I was on vacation, though, we had a meal uh, over Meek in the studio. This Viking crew. And uh, I'm a fan of this guy, man. Uh, and he's actually got some skill, too, you know. Uh, that may not sound, I guess, you know, like an impressive pick in hindsight, I guess. But I, I did pick him against Jordan Mean officially and played him too. Um, but definitely not picking him here. He, you know, uh, obviously, you know, you don't need me telling you Usman's a good wrestler. Yes. Um, and just his style, you know, it's, just, it's so clean. It's so airtight. It's just, It's so devoid of fat. You know, it's... It's like a, it's a ribeye, but like you're, you're, you, you know, but it's, it's well trimmed on the sides, you know, so you're getting a quality, just quality, right? Powerful, but, you know, maybe they're not the best example. I just want a steak right now, but, you know, not a lot of fat on this game. Okay, we'll just leave it on that. Um, and, uh. And, and yeah, I'm, um, you know, really impressed with this game. And you listen to his commentating in Titan and whatnot, and, it kind of, at least for me, the way I look at, you know, dive deep like a serial killer. Uh, no, it, it it really says a lot about them and the way someone would commentate and stuff. So, you can tell us about their mindset, what they're thinking when they're seeing something broken down. And this, the dude is really is really sharp, really impressed. Um, his stand-up's gotten a lot better, you know. He will give different looks. He'll either switch mid-combination or kind of show you a different look. Could throw from either one, roll... Shift, step in, close the distance, getting much better. The problem, though, something I didn't notice uh, the last however many times I've broken down um, Usman at this point, I probably four since his uh, first time I probably broke him down was December the, the, um, 
Dos Anjos for Cerrone too when Ngannou debuted. But yeah, um, and yeah, I never picked this up before. I I know it. It's not that I didn't pick it up, but I never thought of it in court in context and connected to the dots. But when he gets hit, he has a really good chin, but he reacts bad in other ways. He gets emotional. Now, that emotion led him to a finish against Hader Hassan. You know, just took him down and just got violent, but. He kind of, whether he blanked out from anger or got flashed briefly, um, and he didn't recall. He recalled that he was angry. You know, he, was, he admitted that himself. But he, he didn't quite recall. And yeah, it's a heat of things. It's a fight. There's plenty of reasons that are perfectly excusable to not recall it. But it still worries me as far as that and in correlation with getting emotional because... Hell, you just catch one from Emil, Emil Meek. You could go out, sure. There's always that. But even if he catches one that doesn't make him go out, what if it makes him get emotional and makes him want to stand with Emil Meek more than he needs to, right? Um, I think he can more than hold his own in the standing department with Emil Meek. And I'm somebody who gives Emil Meek credit in the technique department, not just the power. Um, that's how, you know, I, 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 you know, that's how highly I think of Usman. Not that he's the best striker, no. But the improvements are very tangible and consistent. And I expect to see more here. Uh, so he's the pick. I didn't take an angle or anything on that. I, I just left this one alone. Uh, next fight, Paige Van Zandt, Jessica Rose Clark. Now they're both at minus 110, and they've been pretty close to that this whole time, let's be honest. I'm not sure what the openers were or how long, who was favored, but... Um, I went a little bit, a little bit back and forth while breaking it down. You know, I, I Paige Van Zandt's another person I've always kind of backed a lot, like a Michael Johnson, which is a little more weird that I back a Paige Van Zandt. Not to be mean, but when we're talking about just overall skill level, but her scrambling and tenaciousness and toughness really is hard to overstate. And you know, it is there. It's there. You know, those things at least, right? There's a lot of things that aren't sure. We can get to those, but. Those things are there. And, um, you know, especially female MMA is evolving, so it's great. But it's still a couple steps behind. And when you have a girl that's very durable and can scramble or wrestle or just really good in one area, and again, very durable, or a girl very durable just puts a lot of numbers out there. Maybe it isn't the best technique. doesn't have knockout power, but she puts a lot of numbers out there like, those things can win. And, you know, Paige Van Zandt's more the, obviously the scramble, suffocating prototype, and we see what it does to girls. But, you know, you go back, best win is Felice Herrig, and I believe Felice Herrig when she says she was in a bad spot, and I think her performances speak for Felice Herrig. I think Felice Herrig would take Paige pretty handily now. And, uh, and yeah, and then just, you know, it just... It feels like the very the female John Jones thing where it was like just so cringeworthy in her interviews and thing, and I get it, she's a kid. I'm not I'm not trying to be harsh on judging her, like, you know, bless her for even being in the spot and good for her, right? For sure I'm not trying to hate, but I'm not gonna lie either. I fucking cringe, you know. Um, whether it's that that Reebok fucking weird video she did. And not even just to pick on the extreme, just, you know, the post-fight interviews where I tied to the John Jones. I'm not trying to pick on John Jones. I'm, I'm referring to a time 
when I liked the John Jones the most, in fact. Uh, when, when John Jones first was hitting the scene, like, this guy's fucking awesome to watch fight. And then he gets on the mic, and you could tell he's just, like, really just forcing it. And, like, and again, nothing wrong with the religious thing at all. Believe me, I got, you know, uh, I got love for, for, for all that and everybody, you know. But, but just the force in it when it doesn't belong there. And you could say, Dan, that's hyper hypercritical, and, and people did back then, but then you kind of see who John was, and I say, hey, I'm not fucking trying to hold the guy over the fire for it, but what happened, happened. And so there was, you know, there, there, there was something to that of why that rubbed me the wrong way. Cause I, just, just be yourself, man. Just be yourself. And I'm not trying to beat that. Or, we, we all know that take. I think a lot of people share that take, in fact. Um, but what I'm saying is that, you know, the, the page in you know, post-fight interview, and she's like, yeah, and that's how I got the choke. And I want to just thank God. And you're just like, or something like that. And just like, it just really came off as false. And again, it has nothing to do with, with God or religion and none of that. In fact, if anything, I would be, I feel like I would be more offended, you know, if I were, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not even sure what what religion she is, to be honest, but, you know, if I were the same contingent of religion or saying, you know, belong to the same camp, I'd be like, hey, come on, man, be real, <laughs> don't fake it. And anyways, sorry, it's random tangent, but it's just... You know, but but it does kind of segue to, you know, questionable choices outside the fights that kind of relate to the fights. And I kind of question Paige moving up, you know. Um, I think that she definitely cuts more weight than people realize. And I definitely think when you're that low, much less have the biology of the, especially if you have the biology, you know, of a female, you shouldn't be cutting weight. So in that sense, I'm happy and I'll never question someone in that sense. But what I'm I guess questioning here is is the intent, you know, especially when you look at the people calling her out and showing no interest in those fights and you look at the fights that she is showing interest in and, you know, you, one could make the argument that Paige is, again, marketing and business moves. I get it. That's the theme. It's the smart thing to do. She's under that care where it, she's going to do that. I'm not surprised and I'm not hating. I'm not blaming, but... The same at the same time, I, I am allowed to call this guy blue, right? Or at least what I perceive to be blue. And what I perceive to be blue is going where the grass is greener, the faster road to the title. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. A lot of fighters do. Great fighters do. Again, I'm not hating here. But again, calling what I see. And uh, anyways, she can still very much win this fight. All that said, I know I feel like I just trashed the poor girl. Um, I really don't. I'm really not hating on her. I really do wish her the best. And she very much won this fight. Um, I was struggling with this pick, in fact. But I also think that, and again, this sounds like a very much a no-brainer. But it almost kind of came to me in a revelation in the sense of, it, even though it is a no-brainer, a revelation into the weight that it carries. Again, MMA is evolving, right? MMA is evolving. Aforementioned Robert Whitaker or, or the more relevant Alex White, these guys moving up in weight, it's not a bad thing anymore, right? It's, it's not... The game is changing. It's not all about being the bit biggest guy. Size doesn't matter as much. But, like I said previously, not picking on the females again, or anything like that, but, you know, if we're in our era that we're in MMA now, I think female, it's like, they're like UFC, like, 70s right now. I think that's where the females are at. You know what I'm saying? If we're talking about evolution-wise and the time scale. Uh, you know, when we were talking about skills, depth of the division, all these different facets. Well, one of those facets is size. 
And what I mean is, again, this sounds like a no-brainer. Yeah, okay, so what are you trying to say, Dan? Let me guess. You're going to say size accounts more for women's division than men's? Yes, that's exactly what I'm going to say. In fact, I will tennis racket retort, swap back to you if you will. Name a notable fighter, female fighters, two high-level female fighters were one, you know, one upset the other, maybe not an odds and upset, but there was two high-level female fighters, but there was just, I don't know if maybe the odds reflected it, but there was a clear size discrepancy. And the smaller fighter wins and takes him to school. Now, you're going to be surprised because I can guarantee that 9 out of 10 of you are struggling as we speak and are actively trying to think of one. And there will be examples that pop up. I still haven't thought of of any, to be honest, if that's couple of days I haven't been thinking that hard but when I initially had this thought I did think and I a lot weren't coming to mind or if they did there was just a lot of caveats where this person wasn't as good as we thought this person was on an upswing such this person was injured in that fight but there's very even few of those right like size accounts for a lot you know the Jessica Andrade is dropping down in weight um you know everybody's what everybody's forecasting was Shevchenko you know uh, or when you just have a physical specimen that exists in the division like a Nunes. And just seeing, even when she was raw and green, that she still had this ridiculous advantage over her contemporaries. Um, Cyborg, obviously. Uh, the that, That's kind of the easy, low-hanging fruit. Um, but again, size fucking matters. Size matters a lot. And uh, Jessica Rose Clark, the former Bantamweight, the former powerlifter who I believe... I want to say she's missed weight every time she's went to 125, but um, her cardio is there, and she's big and strong, and that's something, you know, from what Beck Rawlings was, you know, like, not crying, but just like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, emotional, almost, very emotive about, like, surprising. And uh, you say, oh, maybe Beck being mentally weak or breaking, because, man, Beck's another fighter again. She's not a world beater by any means, but... if I'm being fair, I don't think people are being fair, if that makes sense, when they judge her skill sets. And yeah, you can be, I mean, yeah, she certainly was emotional. I'm not saying she wasn't, but I don't know if that was her breaking, because if you remember, she actually went and fought her best round after that. But that held, still held true as far as locking up with Jessica Rose Clark. Now, there's not a lot of standout intangibles, but she is, Jessica Rose Clark is the better takedown artist. And I think if she can get the jump on the takedowns, She's being the better technical takedown artist. And again, size and strength plays for a lot. And she's going to have that in spades against Van Zandt. I think that can kill the scrambles because she's very much a positional grappler. You know, uh, uh, very, you know, uh, subpar one, um, not to be a dick, but there's a kinder word that I just couldn't find early on where, you know, you kind of just see her doing this kind of teapot ass in the air, um, hands kind of leaving her arms behind her when she's going to pass and getting her arms caught in transit. This is still a little bit of that, but you can see like tangible improvements each time. And I I think a lot of those improvements obviously happened when she moved here to Las Vegas to work at Syndicate MMA Um, with with John Wood and company and the other coaches, uh, surrounding coaches and crew there. Um, I've never trained there, to be honest, but great gym. Great gym from what I hear. I know a lot of people that do, personally. Go go to and from, um, but yeah, and and you know, she, great leg kicks though. I don't think those will serve her well because that could lead to takedowns. Um, 
but her footwork is really improving. She moves laterally really well, and she's going to need that against Paige. Um, even if you know the weight cut is kind of worrisome, but if the fact that whether she killed herself for a weight cut or didn't, she takes a lot of short notice fights. Jessica Rose Clark does, and even though she does go to decision, she keeps a consistent pace despite taking a lot of these fights on short notice against girls that are were just better than her. She's fought some qual some you know decent quality names there. Uh, Penny Kanzanard is you know headlining this weekend at Invicta. Um, you know um, again world beaters. I don't, I don't know about that, but you know get no slouches for the prospective contemporaries. So. Or comp perspective competition. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning toward uh, Jessica Rose Clark for those reasons. All right. Uh, next is Vitor Belfort plus two seventy five. Uriah Hall minus three thirty five. Um, yeah, the, you know, obviously I have to put you know my, you know. You, Extreme Couture bias, it's always there. I can say that it's not. It's going to be there, sure. But, uh, yeah, Uriah Hall was a guy that I initially didn't didn't have too a good experience with, you know, like many media members. And that was kind of like the double-edged sword of this job, you know. It's, it's, again, not complaining, best job in the world, but uh, as far as wearing two hats, especially, you know, being somebody who not just is media, but has a lot of roots behind the scenes and ties and share the mat and punches and with, with these guys behind some of these guys behind the scenes. So it's really hard to say that there's no bias. There's always going to be some kind of tie. And that's kind of a unique thing. Um, I guess to my background that obviously if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be in this position. So I definitely wouldn't change it, but you know, as great as it is, there are some negatives that come with that because you got to be professional and you'll also meet, you know, people, who might not like the media and you might meet them in your own gym and they might not, and they, they may see you as media, not as somebody who's been at that gym for 10 years and a fellow martial artist. And I can't blame them for not seeing that because, you know, I was meeting them at the time under those circumstances, neither here nor there, because, uh, that's all past and long gone. Um, and as you can tell, Hall has done a much better job at translating it outwardly to the other media and other people. But, you know, uh, a large part thanks to Eric because he bonded with Eric, uh, general manager, coach, corner, and extreme couture. And obviously, me and Eric are like family. Um, so, so that 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 bond was that bridge was easily mended very very fast. And I think Hall, more importantly than that little personal tidbit that really means nothing, um, more importantly, I think it's helping Hall as a person, as a martial artist, and it's translating his performances. You know. Uh, uh, a switch has been turned, if you will. Uh, you know, beating a guy like Yoko is no joke, especially overcoming that adversity. And that was big. That was huge. I mean, I even, you know, and I don't want to say help, because again, I say that very loosely, because Eric has just gotten so good. He's always been a smart and sharp guy, and he's been around the scene with martial arts for a while, Eric Nixick, but that's not new. But what I'm saying is he's just, just, you know, the best always look to improve, and, and Eric certainly has. So when we have these little conversations, which we didn't have one for this one, by the way, um, which was good. It makes it easier for me, to be honest. But uh, if you ever ask, I'm, I'm never shy to to get tidbits from him, nor does he shy to you know, give tidbits for me. And you know, Kind of nod to that Burnell talk I was talking about earlier. But 
Um, but but yeah, you know, but but yeah, we we keep it professional. We know we're not, you know, again, I'm not abusing my connections on my side, nor is is he on that. But but when we have these conversations, uh, they're sharp, man. They're dialed in, and there, there's a lot of progress being made behind the scenes. So uh, I guess you don't need me to tell you that, since he is minus three thirty-five. I mean, not that I'd be trying to sell you on him or anybody, to be honest. But I do say fair warning is in that I, I'm pretty sure Hall should win, but I would not be surprised for long since of this fight to turn into a staring contest because these guys are kind of like mirror images of themselves. And But any hope on Vitor winning, I don't know. I didn't have a lot of it, but it got, I think, even less because of the retirement announcement, which is good. He should be. Hopefully, assuming he doesn't do a midnight appearance and Risen, but uh, but yeah. That's my take on that fight. All right, main event time. Duho Choi, Jeremy Stevens. Duho Choi, minus 155. Jeremy Stevens, plus 135. Uh, Choi is the deserved favorite. He's who I initially had coming in, but I ended up siding with Stevens, and, you know, as the article titled, reluctant. But I, I, gotta, I have to be honest with you guys, right? I mean, let's be honest here. Anybody super sold that either guy's going to win is, is selling you wolf tickets. Um, because, it, you know... I can't be so sure of it, you know. Um, could Duho Choi, is he uh, possess the type of technique, accuracy, and power to recreate? No, not in the same style because nobody, he doesn't throw check hooks like that. Nobody throws check hooks like Eve Edwards, baby. One of the best sandals, one of the favorite southpaws, one of the best knockouts. Uh, I don't want to spoil any potential knockouts, but you can count that. That'll be on a future top five list. Uh, he could recreate that, uh, Jeremy Stevens' uh, lone uh, legit stoppage there, uh, you know, as far as the UFC goes for strikes. I, I, I guess I couldn't be surprised, but Jeremy Stevens is hurt few and far between, man. And, you know, I heard some people's breakdown of this card, um, even just, you know, talking with my co-host, because we're just hashing out initial thoughts, they're just like, you know, Oh, man, you know, yeah, Jeremy Stevens could catch him, too. And I'm like, yeah, he could, but, you know, even though I'm picking Stevens, that's actually not what I'm counting on is knockout power. Now, I don't know. I think there's people on both camps. There's some people that just overblow his knockout power, and there's some people that just don't give Jeremy Stevens really credit for much, but they kind of undercut that power. And I can see why, honestly, both camps have their opinions, but I guess I'm somebody who who honestly falls in the middle. I think he has legit power, but it's not the kind of power where it's like, I'm looking to bet the knockout. I'm, I'm looking at what the KO prop is when Jeremy Stevens is fighting him. You know, it's a secondary third thought at best, uh, if that. Um, but what Jeremy Stevens does have, not a lot of people talk about, is a consistent work rate. The guy doesn't get tired. His output and the numbers he puts out there is very consistent. Um, and I like that a lot. Uh, underrated wrestling, though he mainly uses it defensively. Not sure he'll have to use it here, but it'll probably be smart to stay off the ground with Duho Choi because Duho Choi, I have to imagine, even though we haven't seen his ground game from looking, he watches regional stuff. Um, the dude moves really well and off his back or on top. He floats brilliantly um, as well. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but I don't think this fight's going to see the ground. So, essentially... If Choi, who does not have a lot of sample size going long distances, a lot of experience, I should say, and granted that that fight, the damage and the pace, he should have been tired. That that no way with Cub Swanson, no way, am I should you or should you or anyone um, condemn him 
for that performance in general, much less even for his cardio, even on a even trying to be critical. But you can't help but think, right? How does he how does he fare? You know, uh, especially against a guy like Stevens, and maybe he will hit early, but with his durability, he won't be able to get him out of there. Does he? Does he show that at maturity and adjustment and save his punches and his work rate till he knows when Jeremy's is hurt? And even if he does do that, what if Jeremy's chin holds up? And then Jeremy starts, you know, picking up pace as he tends to do as fights go on and starts landing some of those calf kicks that are really hard to defend against. And Duho Choi's very boxing-centric style arguably could make him vulnerable to it if... You know, we actually see him face a leg kicker or a guy who's going to kick his legs and get out of the first minute, which we haven't see, really seen too much of, you know? Um, so, I mean, these are these are big questions. And with Jeremy Stevens, again, I, I, I'm not saying the guy's going to be the next world champion or anything, but there are a lot of consistencies that we can say about him for good and for bad and more for good. And that for good list is growing considering... Uh, Jeremy Stevens, uh, you know, been f- fighting for a minute. What was it UFC seventy one? And I, old Dan Tom, I, I haven't done that for Jeremy Stevens. I've gone all the way back and watched everything. But um, even though I try to work a little smarter now, old Dan Tom still does more of the work than he needs to when it comes to those mains and co-mains. And I will go back through the uh, the catalog to watch the footage. But that was a fun trip down memory lane. And what's more impressive is that, like, I don't know if it's a bad thing because the guy's not showing chin where he's not slowing down. He's very consistent. He's only adding techniques and getting technically better. Like, like at what point am I supposed to keep count, you know, counting him out? Not that you say keep counting him out. I've, I've, I've been a staunch Stevens defender um, in, in a, to a certain sense. But, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to win here. I'm not guaranteeing it. But, but he is my pick, and I did play him because dog money – one of the only few dogs I officially took. And, uh, and yeah, I, I did say by decision, you know. It's a big fight for both guys. I imagine Choi is going to make some adjustments. He's going to be putting any... If not, I got to imagine he puts an extra road work for the five-rounder anyways. He's a durable cat himself, not just Stevens. Um, and uh, I expect a competitive fight, you know. Not going to be surprised if either guy wins or if either guy stops the other guy. All right. Um, recap on picks. Before we get out of here, uh, DraftKings, Kamaru Usman, top of the list, takedown dynamic, Kyung Ho Kang, takedown dynamic, slash, I see him getting a finish, slash, see him being a step ahead. Uh, Matt Steamroller, Frivola, again, takedown dynamic finish and confident pick. Stevens, uh, underdog, again, reluctant pick, but. Potential high score, five-round fight, consistent pace and pressure, knockout power. And again, he is my pick, so if we're going to fish for dogs, why not go with the ones we're officially siding with, huh? And speaking of dogs we're officially siding with, that's right. Coming into the number five slot, Mads Burnell, 7,500 on the DraftKings team. Again, takedowns, ground, finish is his path to vi- only path to victory, arguably. Uh, but he's the pick, so I'm, I'm riding and dying with him there. And one I didn't pick, but... Will, did make the DraftKings team for the lowest, as you tend to do with that low slot, right? When you're really digging deep for dogs. I went with Toledo Bernardo, even though I love me some Irene Adana. Love, love her fighting style. That, that fight versus Leslie Smith was fucking awesome. But like I said, takedown dynamic um, makes, her, makes her a valuable look. Parlay, recommended parlay pieces too. 
Kyung Ho Kang, who started ballooning, got up to minus 345, but still within range for that part of the article for me. Matt Frivola, minus 235. Told you there, most confident picks. Not a lot for straight plays because a lot of these straight plays within range I didn't feel too confident on, and I didn't pick a lot of dogs. So I did ride or die with one of the dogs that I did pick, Mads Brunel. Only a half unit at plus 170. That line actually dropped, as I stated earlier. Props, too, um, to hedge that because, again, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Mike Santiago is the deserved favorite. He has more paths to victory. And, I'm, and you know, I, which makes me sound maybe, maybe sound sillier for picking against them. But that said, I did hedge because the best straight play as far as, you know, just talking about it, I couldn't find any guys straight up as far as favorites go. Well, this prop is, to me, almost as good as a straight play because both these guys have, like, three decisions between them. You look at their style. They're placing on the card. They're coming out cold. A lot of times it really takes the right matching of dudes who go to decision for that first fight to go to decision. There's always that kind of weird, nervous energy for that first fight. You get explosion, you know? That's why the old Joe Silva special, he would throw heavyweights and just knock, knock the crowd on their ass. Like that was one of his tactics, right? Um, so that, those guys are in that spot. They don't have a lot to protect, but they have a lot to gain. And they just can't seem to help themselves. So I got to imagine someone gets finished. So Santiago Brunel, the fight does not go the distance for minus 135. Shit, I put a unit and a half, which small to you, big for Dan Tom. Second prop, Frivola by sub again. Dynamic, confident pick, and with the dynamic of takedown and submission, plus 65, uh, 675. Avoid, Kraus White, Taylor Aldrich. Fire your eye. All right. Thank you guys for listening to my fucking crazy stories, bullshit, and all that. Um, and, yeah, don't worry. I, this podcast, though, it is, is many things for me. And it is a form of therapy. I, I will not let it be my literal form of therapy. I will not abuse your guys' ears. Uh, that's why I try to keep those things down. I try to inject comedy. Um, when I, you know, when, whenever I do talk about life or anything in general, because it's important because... You got to inject comedy into life, right? I mean, uh, it, it, it's fucking too short to take serious. Um, hopefully what's going on with me is, is nothing. It's fucking minimal. And even if it, it is, like it should be, you, your boy is definitely taking some lessons in, in, into 2018 and from this. And a uh, lot less stress, you know. Uh, no matter how busy my schedule gets, I'm promising myself to take things day by day. I'm going to promise myself just to cut things off. At a certain point, I to get my rest, to tune out for a second, to calm that brain down instead of just running it to fucking running the gears every night, fucking seven nights a week. Like that's like whether it's something serious or whether it's something not serious, I guarantee you what's going on with me right now is because of stress. You know, even stuff that you know maybe would have got me anyways because it's a strong flu season. I guarantee you, it's only because my 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 you know the walls of the castle were weakened from uh, from stress, so so some things got in. Um, so yeah, I, that, that, that's my goal again. going to be, I just, just want to be healthy so I can keep bringing you guys content and keep working this fucking awesome job. Cause I love it. Plan to bring you more content in 2018. Thank you guys for the Amazon iTunes and on it. Um, I keep pushing it off, but I do have a list I'm going to get to, of thank yous. It doesn't list who you are, but it lists some items, which is always fun to read off. So thank you guys. Supported at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. You can find the click-throughs for Amazon. It doesn't cost you nothing. A little kickback to the podcast. Uh, again, it's proofs in the pudding in these stories. Your boy, 
your boy puts this whole, this is all, this all, this is all time in his day, and my past experiences, my love, my passion to it, and uh, and I wouldn't want to do it, do anything else. So um, yeah, yeah, that's why that's why this thing is free, and will continue to be free because this is a passion project, baby. So again, I don't say those things to make you feel guilty. That's why I put all the plugs at the end. Because to be honest, I actually, I actually hate plugging the shit. But I appreciate the fuck out of all you guys who support, kind words, share. I, I explained to you how much, how far your reach really is felt. And voting with, you, you know, your dollars, so to speak, I should say, your calories, with all the nice things, they are felt. So, thank you. I'm going to stop ranting. Uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, and until next time, that's right, protect your neck.